to episode three, Oaks Online. I'm Alice. And I'm Hannah. So this weekend was another outdoor celebration. Yeah, very, very how was good. it? I wasn't able to go. Yeah, no, it was really good. Much better weather this time. Uh, very nice and sunny. A few people may have got burnt. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was really really successful, and a lot of the uh, kids and you know adults that are teachers teachers mm. got prayed for because yeah. obviously everything's going back to normal now. Yeah, kids yeah. Are starting school. And you're going to uni. I'm aren't going you? to university. You're starting college. I'm going to college, yeah. It's all go. So yeah, no, it was really good, really yeah. fun, and yeah, exciting times. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And that's not all that's been going on. We had the one event the other week. Oh yeah, let us know if you watched that and what your thoughts are about that. Definitely. And we've also had the climate change walk. I don't really know anything about that. I do know someone who does though. <laughs> Whoa! Oh. What, what did you do with Hannah? Where have you come from? It's the magic of the camera. It's amazing. So amazing. Like, I know. It's oh great, isn't it? But yeah, right. So tell me about the climate change walk. Well, it's... Um, it's called YCCN, which I think is a mouthful. It's Youth Christian Climate Network. Is a mouthful. And it started, yeah, it started in June um, after the G7 in Cornwall. And it's a relay walk that goes all the way from Cornwall, zigzags up the country, and ends up in Glasgow in, in November, I think, or end of October. And um, yes, yeah, a long way to walk. Yeah, a but long actually, way. not everybody's walking all that distance. In fact, no, they take, yeah. and that's where the relay comes in. Uh, you hand okay. over to the next lot. Yeah, yeah. So the people that came here on Sunday last, yesterday in this yeah. case, um, oh was um, they'd started in Chesterfield, and they will f they finished in um, Saint Oh Saint Mary's first of all. And the Bishop of Sheffield met them there and walked to the cathedral and oh, they had an event there. Gosh. Um, and then I, so they came here for lunch at the Oaks and I came down to just find out what they were doing and um, see what they were having for lunch. Anything good? <laughs> yeah, it was really, really good actually, yeah. Did you get something? No, I didn't because I'm on the diet. Oh, yeah, that but word. It was Judy and um, Catherine who did all the lunch. Ah. It was, Something and good then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one or two other people turned up, so... Oh, perfect. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, so I've interviewed somebody, so I'll, um, I'll let him explain what he's doing. Perfect. Okay, so tell me where you started and where you're going to finish. So I started in Neeston, in Nottingham, and on my way to Sheffield today, and I'm going to finish up in Manchester in five days' time. And how many miles is that? It's going to be about 90 miles by the time I've done my stint. But, um, yeah, compared to the whole relay, which is about long, long 1,200 miles. Does anyone like yeah. a cup of tea? Come and help yourselves. <laughs> that's plenty longer. <laughs> I know, that's an outtake, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and you, um, you're not going to do the Pennine Way, then? I won't be, no. You don't I'm, fancy? I'm, I'll be going over Mamtor, though. Oh, so, are you? Yeah, I'll yeah. doing it proper. be going through Bamford over to Shuffle on the Frith. So. All right, okay, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and now for the hot topic this week, we're going to let Emma and Julia tell us more about that. 
welcome to this episode's Hot Topic. We have Richard with us. Hello, Richard, and welcome. Hi. Um, we're going to be starting our new series today, which is going to be What Did Jesus Say About? And these are going to be on our Bible Talk series that's on YouTube. Julia kicked us off last time with the first one. Well done. Uh, but Richard is doing number two today, and you're going to be talking about What Did Jesus Say About Prayer? Yeah. Um, so you can catch the whole talk, like I said, on our YouTube channel. Um, but if not, then just stick with us today because we're going to unpack it a bit in more detail anyway. But before we even go into that, uh, Julia, you've got a good quote here from somewhere. I hope, I hope you'll explain. Um, on what even is prayer? Because before we do a topic on what did Jesus say about prayer, it's probably good to know what prayer is. Okay. Well, this is more about what prayer isn't. All right. <laughs> okay. But, uh, it was a tweet. Um, that went out and it said prayer is not a button to be pushed it's a relationship to be pursued oh. yeah mm-hmm. so that does sum it up well because basically prayer is just talking to God isn't it it is yeah so it's a relationship it's not a I feel like people just often pray when they're in need <laughs> or I'm subject to that yeah we all where do, if we're you know in a bad situation, we're like, please, God, help me with this. I'm sure most people do that. But it's more than that, isn't it? Sure is, yeah. So, Richard, you're going to be doing the talk this week, um, and we'll be unpacking it together. It's great to have you here to do that, because it's helpful to have the person who's actually done the talk to pick their brain. Um, In the beginning of the talk, you mentioned that you exclude a few things, sort of like group prayer and... uh, you don't touch on that prayer for healing or anything like that. Is there a reason why you excluded that and focused purely on what you focused on? Well, I think there's very little on group prayer in the Gospels. There's a little, mm. but not a huge deal. So for one thing, I think that's perhaps better postponing to a later date. Yeah. Praying for healing is a very um, huge area in the Gospels. Approximately a fifth of the whole of the Gospels are given over to healing. So to get that in 15 minutes would be massive. (laughs) But it transpires that when you look at what Jesus actually prayed for, Mm. he didn't actually pray for healing. Um, We'll perhaps come to this towards the end. And it may be a little bit controversial. But he declares, he commands, he decrees those things, but he never actually asks or, or prays in the conventional sense for them. Okay. So they are a different category. So yes, I've, I've excluded that for these purposes and focus very much on our relationship with, with God the Father and yeah. our prayer life with him. Yeah. So it's keen to know at this point that we can't cover everything in that short talk so just because we have excluded things it doesn't mean we won't cover them in the future or that you can't ask questions and you ask your questions and what we'll do is we'll ask Richard (laughs) he can tell no I'm joking we'll uh, have a go at giving our view on it as well today won't we Mm -hmm. so um so thank you Richard we'll go into the first you you break this down into five easy bites that's how you phrased it so we're going to break those down together so we'll we'll let you watch the first one now and then we'll unpack it together in a minute. So let's get started with that first one, Jesus' actions. Well, we start off with the fact that he prays alone. In fact, 
You praise alone an awful lot. As you read through, you realise that all the time he's disappearing off up into the mountains, or getting up early in the morning, or staying up late at night, or indeed praying right through the night. He's always seeking that solitary place. He's always wanting to be alone and intimate with his Father and the Holy Spirit. It seems to be the place where Jesus derives his relational nourishment. And that is important, supremely important. Next, we see him fasting. Fasting very much complements prayer and empowers prayer in some ways. And we see this after perhaps his baptism, where the Holy Spirit takes him out into the wilderness for 40 days of prayer and fasting ahead of his temptation by Satan. Next, we notice that Jesus is praying before or during the significant times in his life. So at his baptism, before those temptations, at his transfiguration, at the Last Supper, at Gethsemane, and of course, supremely, on the cross. Next, we notice that he prays passionately and earnestly, and perhaps no, no more so than when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prays with such passion, with such fervour, that the sweat is dripping off him, like, it says, like drops of blood. And we also learn from scripture that Jesus used different postures. He no doubt prayed sitting down, standing up, walking round, um, but he also prayed on his knees and he probably also prayed lying prostrate as well. Okay, so we've heard bite one, which was how Jesus prayed. Um, you say in that bite that he prays alone and constantly seeks this out. Now, I must admit, Richard, when I first heard this, I was like, no way, I don't agree with you, which won't shock you at all. And I, I can't believe this. And I was just like, what's he on about? And I went away and I read some of the Gospels myself, as you do challenge us to do in that um in that bite and I was really shocked by this I don't think I've ever picked up on that mm. as much as what you pointed out I think it's really weird we have this view of Jesus in our heads and what he did and we all know the stories in the gospels and you kind of pick out what you want to pick out don't you and maybe not pick out what you don't want to pick out and it's really challenged me on how much time I perhaps spend in prayer alone yeah or rather the lack of time we spend in prayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably because we, we see prayer as a tool and mm. we use prayer to ask for things. We have an agenda mm. and we use God as somebody who can supply all our needs and the needs of others. But going back to that definition at the beginning that prayer is about pursuing a relationship, I think it falls much more into place. Mm -hmm. If we see that as the primary purpose of prayer, to have a relationship with a loving father and spend time with him, it doesn't necessarily even involve words. It means simply being in his presence and enjoying one another's company. Mm -hmm. That then forms the bedrock, the foundation of all the other things we might want to do when we're in our father's presence, which is to ask for things. Yeah. So yeah, Jesus constantly seeks out the solitary place. He constantly goes and spends time with the Father. And we're, we're not party to what their conversations were, but that's what he loved to do. I think it can be quite hard to 
to think about that though because it's like we can't see God so sometimes I know for me I've touched on in the last not last episode the first episode about what is worship for me and I spoke about going out in nature and things and I think it's good to note that it's not necessarily I mean it can be just being in your room listening to worship music that might be the way that you spend time with God or sitting in silence or something but it could also be going for a walk and just not asking God for anything but just enjoying like you say being out in nature worshiping God being there I think it's different for each person isn't it it is. I suppose if we say that's true for worship and that's true for prayer, you have to ask the different, you know, the question, what's the difference between them? Mm. Um, for me, worship is more what we give to God. And, and we can enjoy that, of course we can, and we get benefit from that. Mm. But the heart of worship is what we offer to God. Prayer, if we're pursuing relationship, although it, I say it may involve silence, there is something about in the building of that relationship, there's something about exposing ourselves. There's something mm, about yeah. making ourselves known to God. And God, in the same way, makes more of himself known to us. And it's that process that I think is the heart of prayer. It's self-disclosure on both sides. Mm. So the two parties, God and ourselves, know each other better. That is the foundation of the relationship, mm. that common knowledge of each other. And it's, it's an intimate knowledge. And I think that is what prayer is about. Whether that's done in silence or through words, actually, I don't think matters too okay. much. Yeah, no, it's challenging. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? No, I suppose I'm along those lines of sometimes we're in crisis and we don't even know what to pray, but we're, um, we know that the Holy Spirit interprets even our groans. Mm -hmm. And so to be in that relationship where we don't even have to speak, we can just yeah. groan, <laughs> and there are times when we have to do that, and yet God knows and understands mm. and loves us through it. I yeah. think it's really lovely. Yeah, mm. I think it's quite naive of us to think we could perhaps hide some things from God, but He wouldn't. He wouldn't force us to reveal them in that sense. But He often knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, so I really like what you said there about like exposing ourselves, because it's like a choice to bring mm. those things to God and know that you're still loved even if it's like your deepest darkest things that you perhaps aren't even ready to tell to another human being yeah um which hopefully once god's come into that you would you would be able to be accountable and talk to someone and be loved in that way but i think you touch on a very important point and it's this word no mm. and it's used in two two ways in the bible isn't there god knows everything yeah is omniscient so yes he knows everything about me he knows everything about you mm. um, but there is the use of the word no quotes in the biblical sense which talks about this intimacy it talks yeah. about oh what we disclose to one another mm. and there's knowing in that sense it's a relational definition of no yeah and i think that is what we're trying to get hold of here because of course God knows everything about us and you might, if you believe that's all there was to it, mm. why pray? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it's not, it's relational. Yeah. And I think you can see that analogy with, with family and friends though, in a, in a broken sense, not in the best sense that God would, but you know, if you know someone really well, you know when they're 
not okay even if they might never say anything that you know don't you because mm. you know them there might not be anything that someone else who doesn't know them would probably not even realize but you know because you know them well mm. that there's something not right and that's what i think you're touching on yeah if that helps with that like analogy and i love what you were saying about the groaning <laughs> um i guess there are times in extremists in our life uh, times of um, grieving and things like mm. that where we may physically groan mm. but plenty of times I come to God and <laughs> I cry mm. um, and somebody has once said that you know tears are just wet wet prayers <laughs> um, uh, but I think tears also are a part of our, our vocabulary our repertoire with God mm. yeah yeah wow good Excellent. okay well roll on Bite two, then. Moving on to part two, Jesus's prayers themselves. What did he pray for? Well, he spent a lot of time praising God, praising the Father. And he also spent time giving thanks as well, particularly around food. So when he feeds the 5,000 and the 4,000, when he's doing those miracles, he breaks the bread, he breaks the fishes and he gives thanks. At the Last Supper, he gives thanks, even on the road to Emmaus when they reach the village and he shares communion with them. He breaks the bread and gives thanks. And that seems to be the, the thing that triggers that recognition of who Jesus was. What else does he pray for? Well, he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, prays for his own needs. That's important, that we pray for our own needs. But of course, Jesus was submissive. He was obedient. His father's will took priority. And that was important to Jesus, that God's will prevailed, even if that meant that his own wants and desires weren't met. He was prepared to do that. On the cross, we see Jesus praying three types of prayer. He prays that there would be forgiveness. He is forgiving those that have wronged him. He prays also prayers of anguish and he prays finally prayers of committal. He commits his spirit into the keeping of his father. He also prays in John 17 at the Last Supper for his own glorification and he prays for his disciples too. He prays for Simon, for instance, that he, his faith would be strengthened because he knows that Satan is going to sift Simon. And Simon, as we know, comes through. His faith does prevail. He also prays for his disciples, not just those that were there then, but also those that were to come after them. In other words, for us too. And he prays for their protection and he prays also supremely for their unity as well. And we also find Jesus praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. So bite number two, what did Jesus pray for? That was really fascinating. You picked up on something particularly interesting, didn't yeah. you, Yeah, fishes. <laughs> fishes. Fishes? Is that a word? Yes, it's a word. Is it? Yes. Fishes? I thought the plural was fish. It's fish. Or is it a fish and the fish and fishes? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I picked up on, which did yeah. distract me slightly. But I did like this bite. I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. What did Jesus pray for? But we'll talk about the fishes bit in a bit. <laughs> Leave a comment if you think fishes is a word because I'm not convinced <laughs> but yeah anyway go yes. on what you, did go you, on you found this quite 
interesting, wasn't it, to s when you actually focused on it, about what Jesus actually prayed for yeah. out of all those prayers? It's interesting that Jesus prays for the things you would expect Jesus only, perhaps, to pray for. So mm -hmm. yeah. his um, experience in Gethsemane, mm -hmm. uh, being on the cross, perhaps at the Last Supper, praying for his own glorification. Those are three examples which I think are very explicit to the life of Jesus, yeah. who he was and what he was about to do. Which, if you edit those out, um, ask yourself, what does Jesus actually publicly pray for? You're left with a very limited list, actually. We know that Jesus prayed an awful lot, but most of it was one-on-one -on -one with the Father in private. But in his private life, lots of prayer, but we don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. In his public life, very little prayer, but we do know what it was. Mm -hmm. And it was simply that he praised the Father, he gave thanks a lot, and he prayed for his friends, his disciples. Yeah. He also prays for the Holy Spirit to come, and I think that may be an exceptional thing, because he was talking and praying for Pentecost, but of course we can pray for the Holy Spirit to come and manifest his presence as well, so I'd like to keep that in, include that. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus prays for is actually quite limited in terms of what we learn for our own experience of praying in the public situation. Oh, again, I've never realize that when reading the gospels i feel like you've opened my eyes to this that i don't maybe read i don't know maybe i read the bible and i'm thinking what can i learn from this what can i take from it but i've never looked at it in the way that you're bringing which is good i suppose that's why we're doing this isn't it mm. to delve deeper into what but i've never realized that's what jesus prayed for i don't think i've ever sat and looked at it in that way um so thank you for bringing this to us mm. Do you have anything else you want to say on what did Jesus pray for? No, just think it's it, it's that bit was quite challenging, mm. and yeah, I think I think what we're wanting to do in this series is come come right back to well, what did Jesus actually yeah. do? How did he live? I'd say because there's a lovely simplicity to it mm. that sometimes gets lost uh, in life, and and I think that's what these sort of talks are doing. It's bringing us back to what actually did he say? And like you say, it's very simple yeah so uh, we can all learn from it and maybe we need to give thanks more than we do yeah. for all sorts of things mm -hmm. not any and it wasn't religious for jesus was it it wasn't like he had to sit down and give that you know he wasn't doing it out of obligation no i think it was genuine like just thanks yeah, i yeah. think that's the point he he expressed what he felt again it's it's making known in the public arena how he felt yeah but he's doing that to the father as well as people around him and i don't think we're that good at that are we as people in general i think some people are better than others but we're often very good like you said at asking god for something like mm. i might be like i know this is going on in my life god please help me with this or help this family member or help this friend but i might not spend as much time in my day thanking god for oh thank you for this or thank mm. you for this so it's a good reminder to perhaps spend more time in mm. that and not just simply, well, like you said at the beginning, it's a relationship. It's not just, please give me this, please give a me wish this. List. <laughs> yeah, a wish list, yeah. 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 Okay, bite three. bite three. Thirdly, what does Jesus teach us about how to pray? Well, the first thing he tells us is that it's not to be seen by others. 
This type of prayer is personal. This is to be not a public demonstration. It's not to be something that we show off. In fact, Jesus has harsh words for those who do that. No, rather we are to have a secret place. We're to come and just do this in private. It is intimate. It's relational. We need to be able to come and be ourselves. We need to be real. We need to be honest. And God needs, in a sense, to come and have that privacy with us as well. It is that intimacy between father and child that is so valued here. He also says not to babble like the pagans. We don't need to bring long words. We don't need to bring excess of words. We don't need to build a case. We don't need to marshal an argument. God just wants us to come and be and come and talk. Say it as it is. Ask for what, we're, what we need, just plainly. And lastly, he says to be watchful and to pray for what we see. And that's quite, quite telling. Be watchful and pray for what we see. Bite three how to pray. Um, I've written in my notes here, <laughs> you talk about intimacy. Now, before I became a Christian, and even when I became a Christian first on, I feel like you, you crazy Christians, as I like to call you, talk about intimacy all the time. And to some, to some of us, that might be quite an uncomfortable word to use because intimacy makes me think of intimacy. <laughs> intimate <laughs> being intimate and so I don't know if I I understand now what you're talking about but I would just like you to unpack it because what do you mean what's an example of intimacy because a worldly view of intimacy might not be exactly what you're maybe it stems back to what we were talking about earlier about n knowing you you're talking about that sort of thing I assume but I shouldn't assume so what do no. you mean by that and do you have an example of what that looks like in your own life well, a lot of questions there. Um, what we're not talking about is sex, which is the <laughs> word you didn't want to use. Um, intimacy um, is about moving close together. Okay. And if you think about it, we start as strangers, estranged from each other, but gradually as intimacy, intimacy grows, we're moving closer together. And it's about this being vulnerable and being mm. self-disclosing. Okay. So as we're coming together, there comes a point where we actually are within each other's intimate space, that, that space we reserve for those who we trust deeply, yeah. and we give them permission to come into that space, don't we? Yeah. And that is the essence of intimacy, that we are close. And it may be that we actually touch. And I think... That physical analogy is what we're talking about in the emotional sense of being intimate. Sex is one expression okay. that is hopefully born out of intimacy, although not all sex is, of course, but that's an expression. But the root itself and the meaning in terms of prayer is that we come closer together mm. and ultimately we're wanting to touch God, aren't we? We're wanting to hold hands with God. We want to know God's arms around us in an embrace. Okay. Those are all only possible if we draw close to God. So intimacy is about that physical um, being close. Closeness, yeah. So I think that's what I was trying to get at. Yes, I didn't use the word sex, but as in 
intimacy is different in the worldly sense of what people might think is intimate but we're talking about not that just the physical closeness we're talking about that emotional closeness and and spiritual of course as well yeah yes thank you i think this is my favorite bite maybe okay i mean we haven't heard not everyone's heard all the all the bites yet but we had a sneaky peek i had a sneaky peek as well But I think this was my favourite bite, so thank you. Because I'm a practical person and like to know what's right and what to do. I think the thing that struck me about the intimacy side of things is that, you know, when you've done something wrong... (laughs) No. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. Possibly no. Okay, on those odd occasions when you've maybe done something wrong and um, and you kind of go to bed in it and you're lying there praying or whatever, Mm. that's... It's very difficult... To feel close to God at that time. Oh yeah. For me, I I, I know I've done something wrong. I'm not quite prepared to, <laughs> to deal with it, and so I, it's a bit like going into another room. I don't, you know, there's a there's a a, a journey to be made there. You don't I, leave yourself exposed. No, and I think that's quite interesting. There's that that intimacy. It's about love and it's about acceptance. And it's about grace and trust and what have you. But there's a tension when we ha- when we have done something wrong, um, um, and it's just not in line with God what what mm. God wants for us. That it's quite difficult to feel. Mm. I'm not saying that God moves away; no. He's always there. But I have to move towards and deal with whatever it is that's going on. Oh, so avoidance a is a good tactic, really, isn't it? Avoidance. I do so that too. If classic. I'm not just with God, but with people, if I've yeah. done something wrong, it's very easy to just. Avoid. Avoid. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, we all mess up and get things wrong. Mm. And it's about, isn't it, which God would do if, like you spoke about earlier, if we ex- allowed ourselves to be exposed mm. in that, as in, I'm talking about being exposed in the sense of like vulnerability. Because it is exposing, isn't it, if you allow yourself to be vulnerable. Mm. If we actually did that in times when we mess up, it would leave that space for people to be able to come in and be like, um, you know, let's let's help you with this, let's love you well in that, rather than um, just avoiding the situation mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. avoidance yeah. It doesn't work in the long term. No, definitely not. No. Okay, next bite. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, got them. Anything anyone wants to add on how to pray? I think what my other thought was. About Brother Lawrence. Oh, okay. And the book, Brother Lawrence and the Practice and the Presence of God, and, and how he developed, he calls it a communion, doesn't mm. he? Just spending time mm. with God. And, and he was a humble cook in a monastery, but he devoted his entire day, every action he took, uh, whether it was peeling potatoes or, I don't know, stirring the pot or whatever, it all became an act of communion with God really? and worship with God. And I mean, that's. You can you can try and do that. <laughs> try to do that. It's really hard because I'm so easily distracted. But it's kind of something to everyone. And I guess that's what Jesus did. He was in he was in the presence of God, his father, the whole time, wasn't mm. he? he and that walk. came mm. out of spending all those hours on the mountains at night and in the dark rooms and things. And there there is I don't want to say there's effort required, but there is in a way. You do have to choose to put time and mindset to wanting to spend time with God. And what was that book, sorry, you've just mentioned, Brother Lawrence? Brother Lawrence, it's The Practice and Presence of God. Mm. I've not heard of that. It's only little, it's really old. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, it's one I've of heard those of Brother of, Lawrence, obviously, yeah, but not. It's that. one of those classics, right? But if ever, ever I've been to a, a, I don't know, a, a big Christian extravaganza conference, what have you, you see someone that you've heard of is on the media, what have you, and you always think they're so amazing. You know, they might have an amazing prophetic gift or something. You think, how do they get like that? Well, it's because they spend an awful lot of time mm. yeah. um, in prayer with God, and yeah, it's it's that choice, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Do you think you've got better at spending more time with God, or is it just in seasons? I'm, I'm looking at both of you here, not just Julia, but because you guys have been Christian longer than Richard Long forever, um, since dinosaurs. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'd like to just tease him about his age. Um, you know, I'm serious. Like, I, Obviously, I'm relatively new on my journey with God, in a sense. I'm not, and it's been a long time now, but as in in the grand scheme of things is it just that we all go through these seasons is it that you all almost like you're getting closer to it as you go on or is it just how how do you feel about this when we talk about it i'd like to say that as you go on um it gets easier i i've not found that hmm. i find it's a bit like the ebb and flow of the tide there are seasons when it seems a real struggle and other times it it's a joy and you just want to spend more and more time with God. And I don't know what it is about life that makes it like that. I think as I've gone on through the Christian life, I've become better at prayer, but I still feel dissatisfied. In fact, more so I think now because I want to spend more and more time with God I think that hunger is growing within me, mm. but I don't. There, that distractibility is the issue. There is always something playing in my mind which calls me away and distracts me. Mm. And that is something I think that I need to choose to overcome. Um, if we're going to be more like Jesus and we're going to spend time with the Father, we, we have to prioritise that. We have to do what Jesus did, I guess. Look for the solitary place, getting up early in the morning, staying up late at night. Um, it's, it's making those choices. And you mentioned effort. Um, yeah, I, I think there is a little mm. bit of effort involved in that. It's going to cost. Yeah. The question is, what do we want out of life? Mm -hmm. I think the answer for most of us is we want more of God. Mm -hmm. I must admit, I'm not good at getting up early. No. I don't think it's even just the getting up early. It's the, I mean, for me, something like Pinterest can suck away an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's just, it's just. I mean, okay, it's a little bit of leisure, it's a bit of, but it's a waste, isn't it? There, you know, there are, I could use my time better, mm. more effectively, and more be more intentional. I, I think my, my prayer life has Im improved and um, that hunger as I've um, gone along my, my journey. Lockdown made a difference and um, I found, well I actually read a, I read a book, How to Pray. Did you? It's only been 30 years but mm. read a book on how to pray and I found that really helpful and there were lots of tools and, and things and it, it wasn't, it didn't make you feel terrible at all, it was just a really helpful um, book. Mm. on different ways that you can pray and things that can help you and stuff and stuff like that and so I found lockdown because everything dropped away it was like extended snow days yeah it, it was easier then mm. because you can't spend 18 hours on Pinterest really 
well, maybe you, you, can, you can try. There was that peace. There, you know, we didn't have to be anywhere. Didn't have to be planning anything or thinking about anything. So that was a helpful time for me. And Do you I think you've le- you've kept? Because I think lockdown was was a time for that, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We we're coming out of it now, hopefully. Um, it's not been an easy year by any means. I'm not saying that. And there's been things that weren't weren't great at all. But I think it did give us whether we wanted it or not, that space to address some mm. of this stuff. Mm. Do you feel that you've learned what you learned from that time you've taken with you or do you feel like it's slipping away and you're like clawing like, <laughs> no, don't go? Or like, how do you feel you're yeah, going with it? I would say some of it's slipping away, mm. um, but I'm conscious of it and I don't want that to happen. Yeah. And there are some habits that I developed over lockdown, like listening to, um, there's an app, called Lectio 365, and there's a, it's like a morning and an evening devotional. And you can mm. read it or you can listen to it. Okay. And there's some music, and it's quite meditative. And I'm usually asleep before the end of the nighttime one. And it's, it's, it's less than five minutes, but that's really lovely. Mm. And it's very kind of, I don't know, I don't know, it's just very relaxing and it helps you to kind of download and offload. And um, so, yeah, I've retained that habit. And I'm enjoying that. Yeah. And you learn about sort of people in history that have been amazing prayers as well there's always so like inspiration in. yeah mm. inspirational prayers so yeah. that's good that's good what about you i think like julia there are certain habits which i've got into disciplines i get up early and spend time um, reading the bible blogging about it praying about what i've blogged about <laughs> um, and I spend my time with God then, mm-hmm. and then I try and do the Brother Lawrence thing. Yeah. Not very well, but I try to stay in touch across the day with God mm-hmm. as well. Um, I'm getting better at that, but I don't, I don't think anyone would say they were good at prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're all too modest, I don't know, but I. I see a long way to go before yeah. I call myself good at praying. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you do your daily blog on Facebook, don't you? Facebook, WhatsApp, um, email a few who are on either. Yeah, so if you want to be involved in that, they can just yeah, find sure. you on there and comment yeah. what you think each day. You get a few comments on, you like to be challenged on different things, don't you? And I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. so please do that. <laughs> um, I think I've lost count. Are we on bike? We're going to be on, be on to fa- bike four now. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Bike four. Bike four. Moving on. What about number four, our attitude in prayer? Well, first of all, we are to be believing. We're to have faith that God hears our prayers and answers our prayers. In Matthew and Mark, it says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it. There's no point coming to God and asking him for things if we have no faith in him as a father who longs to answer the prayers of his children. Secondly, we need to have an attitude of forgiveness. If I have something against somebody, I'm encouraged to go and get that sorted out before I go and spend time with the father. If somebody's got something against me, I've got to get that sorted out as well. And There is this sense that we need to have these horizontal relationships right before we come to the Father. And that attitude of forgiveness is so important in the church. Next, persevering. We've got to push on through. We've got to hang on in there. 
and Jesus tells a couple of parables, one about the, the persistent widow and one about asking, knocking and receiving. And both those teach us that we shouldn't give up. Just because we don't get what we ask for initially doesn't mean to say that the door has been closed on us or that God hasn't heard us. But God wants us to push through. He wants us to prevail in prayer. The next is humility. There is that parable about the, uh, the um, Pharisee and the tax collector and the Pharisee has arrogance. There's a real arrogance in his, in his prayers and that comes out. And of course the tax collector has the opposite. He's humble. He knows he needs God's grace. He knows he's in need of salvation. And Jesus praises the attitude of the humble. He says that the uh, arrogant will be um, humbled and the humble will be exalted. And we need to understand that our attitude in prayer is that we come empty-handed. We come looking for God's grace. And lastly, um, somewhat in paradox with that, is shameless audacity. And those words come from a verse in Luke 11, verse 8, where it says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity. In other words, we can come and ask outrageous things. We can ask big prayers. We can ask for things which we feel perhaps aren't even um, due to us. Because we have that, what in Yiddish is called, chaputz. Um, there is a Hebrew word for that as well. It's actually there in the Bible. But that shameless audacity to ask for those things. God wants us to have that attitude with him. He wants to relate to us as a father in that way. So, bite four, our attitude in prayer. Quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Particularly the uh, element about coming into prayer with, with belief, believing. Mm -hmm. Had a yeah. bit of an issue with that. Yeah, not an issue. <laughs> I, I've enjoyed your, your bites, as I've said. But I think I just... Sometimes, if we face disappointment in prayer, which, to be honest, I, I have done recently, um, which I'm sure a lot in our, in our church have, uh, with everything that's been going on, sometimes I struggle to have that mm. belief... Um, Sorry, being a bit vulnerable there. I didn't appreciate how uh, real that was. But sometimes I think it can be hard to... I don't want people to watch that and hear you say that and, and not hear what you're not saying because you're. that is how we should be. But it doesn't mean that we can't come to God in our unbelief. There are times in the Bible when that happens and I'm thinking of one particular example where the man says, help my unbelief. So it's not that we can't come to God in that is it? No, no obviously um, we're subject to doubts and all sorts of things but uh, we can come to God with our doubts as well. I think in the example you quote where the man says you know uh, I do believe help my unbelief, yeah. um, the situation there is that, that Jesus, God has been speaking to him mm -hmm. and um, 
when we hear God speak to us, I think there is a choice for us. Okay. We can choose to believe or not to believe. And it's a fine line, isn't it? We mm. still have our doubts as humans. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. we, we're going to be perfect every time. But I think when God speaks to us, then we have to take that choice. I think we have to side with God or choose otherwise. And I think that's a, a, an important point. Yeah. Um, the other thing about prayer, of course, is that God often builds us up. He, he answers small prayers and, and yeah. challenges us perhaps to exercise that prayer muscle as it was and build it up and mm. pray for something slightly bigger and slightly bigger. And in that way, our faith grows as well. Yeah. So there's two mechanisms in which our faith grow. Either we choose to believe God or God gets us to do the practical work and grows that, pray, uh, that mm. faith through a succession of increasing prayers that get answered. Yeah. I noticed um, on the back of that about building prayer, uh, building faith, sorry. I noticed you brought today, you brought your How to Pray book, which you just spoke about in the last part, but you also brought the God on Mute book, yeah. which is by Pete Gregg. And we've just read this, um, a few of us in church, we, we did like a little book Mm. study didn't we yeah a few few ladies mm -hmm. and um that book particularly i haven't read this one uh yet but this one really helps with that with that unbelief and the mm. just that battle perhaps within yourself of unanswered prayer because there are times where you might struggle to come to god with that attitude of believing and that's okay and like we've touched on, that is how we would like to be and come to God. But if you're struggling with that in particular, we'd recommend that, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah. Um, the next bit you spoke about was being forgiving. And I've written on my notes, this is exactly what I've written, challenging. <laughs> um, sorting out horizontal relationships before coming to God. I would worry that this would become transactional and that we would feel we have to get our lives in order before coming to God. Which is obviously not what you meant, but that's how oh. I struggled with it, wrestled with it when I heard your talk and what I was talking about. Because we don't have to be a certain way or do a certain thing or anything to come to God. That's not what we're saying today. Mm -hmm. um, but we are saying that as Christians, we believe that you should sort out when you are hurt whether that's you've hurt someone or they've hurt you doesn't matter really um relationship is really important to god and to us as as christians so it's the almost like the primary thing that we should mm. do is that that's what you meant isn't it but it's not that you can't pray if you have something <laughs> if i was falling out with julia or she'd really hurt me or something it's not like i can't come to god in prayer but i should go and seek to sort that yeah, out. Jesus is teaching a general principle. It doesn't yeah. mean that, you know, we might be falling apart at the seams. Um, we go to God and he, he welcomes us with, with open arms. Yeah. Um, but don't be too surprised if God puts his finger on a few mm -hmm. things and says, well, now go and sort that out with so-and-so. Yeah. And if we come to God because we are avoid, we talked about avoidance yeah. earlier. <laughs> you come to God and you've been avoiding getting something sorted out. I wouldn't be surprised if God sort of said, "Well, hold on, mm. go and get this sorted yeah. out first, yeah. and then come back and talk to me," mm. because God knows that we need to <laughs> not avoid. Um, 
So no, it's, Jesus is teaching a principle. And we can come to God with anything at any time. But within that, um, I think God sometimes very gently turns us around, patches us up and pats us on the back and says, well, go and get that sorted and then we'll talk a bit more, shall we? Yeah. That's the kind of thing I think Jesus is saying. Yeah. No, that's really helpful. Um, unpacking of that. So thank you. Because I think when I first heard it, I was a bit like, oh, how do we wrestle with that and if I've got to sort out all my horizontal relationships before coming to God and all that so it's just helpful to clear the air on that and understand mm. it better so cool. any thoughts on that? <laughs> Am I just the crazy one here that you didn't even think of that? Yeah, or? yeah of course okay. no. Um, no. No, cool. Anything else? Uh, yeah I've written um, you wrote, you talked about persistence and humility which I really liked, and, and the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Mm. I just thought it might be good to read it out um, to, to illustrate the point, because stories are really great. The parables, Jesus spoke in parables for a reason, because they stick in our heads. Um, so I think hopefully you found it. Have you? Yeah, this is from Luke chapter 18, verse 9 onwards. To some who were confident of their, of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like these tax collectors. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Mm. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's quite a powerful parable. It is a powerful parable, yeah. And I think, just sort of bringing it back to the the how we how we pray kind of thing. I know when I was a new Christian, I could be really intimidated mm. by people who I thought were, I don't know, better than me because they've been Christian longer or what have you, and they used big words and they could pray these amazing prayers. <laughs> and I found that I found that intimidating and what have you. Now I just get a bit yawny with it. Mm. And actually, God's not after big words, and He's not after long sentences or sounding amazing he's just after our heart yeah. and simplicity mm. and I think that's something that I've learned as I've got older mm. uh, it's not about what we look like or what we sound like it's our heart and he sees our heart and that's acceptable to him so that's really nice I like that yeah mm. and hopefully you might be challenging that because there's also the other side of the coin if we're a bit like the Pharisee the, the guy who went and bragged about everything he was doing and I'm sure we can all that does resonate with, with some of us you might be feeling a little bit oh, that was me in that situation or whatever um, so I guess my question to us here is if I, if that is something that I've perhaps struggled with that it often spans out of um, seeking approval doesn't it from others rather than from God so it's like a misplaced approval seeking situation how do I become humble in if this was something that I was struggling with, if, say, I felt like I needed to, 
to make people aware of of things how would you we recommend that people seek help with that if that's what they're struggling with wow um <laughs> humility i think at root is a choice okay it's a choice to think not it's not thinking less of ourselves in terms of status mm. i think god wants to help us to raise our bar in that regard but it's more about thinking of other people ahead of ourselves mm. and i think that is the root of humility we know we need to know who we are in jesus um, and that we don't actually contribute anything to that we come mm. as people who need god's grace mm. and that is a place of humility um, so keeping those things at the front of our thinking um, i think is is how we achieve humility and as we do that repeatedly that starts to get sort of etched into our character yeah and humility becomes part of the characteristic of our lives and it's a lot easier to humble yourself than wait and be humbled by god <laughs> let's just point that yeah. out now because there has been times in my life where i have not humbled myself and the fall is much harder when you <laughs> are humbled i was trying to think of a situation that i could share but I can't think of one off the top of my head because I think I just blocked them out. But there's definitely been times where, oh, I think I remember one. I was like, someone said something about me and John, uh, who is working behind the scenes over there, um, often edited our online services. And uh, this one particular one, I had no involvement in whatsoever, but someone gave a compliment about how good they were. And then they were just like, oh no, I think we've done it together. I think we've done it together. And someone came with these compliments about how good it was. And, you know, my ego was a bit puffed up. I was like, oh yeah, great. Like, they really enjoyed it. And then I should have just stopped there because that would have been a great day and nothing would have had to be <laughs> humbled or anything. But no, I decided to go further and I said, oh, well, what, what bits did you like? Thinking they'd say my bits, obviously. And they literally named all the bits John did. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> continued to complain about the bits that I'd done. And I was like, why did I ask? Why did I ask if I'd just left it there? But because I probably needed to be humbled <laughs> slightly because it actually my value is not in my works or anything that I do or anything or approval, is it? It's in who I am in Christ, as we've touched on today. So there's been times when I've needed to be humbled. We've all been there. Yeah. Not the first or the last. No. But it's easier if you do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything you want to add on? Do you want to share no. any embarrassing stories? No, I just stories? want to leave that with hanging. <laughs> Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Thank you, Richard. We've got one tiny bite left, I think. Um, so bite five. Any, unless there's anything anyone wants to say anymore on bite four. Mm -hmm. Okay, bite five. And fifthly, what are we to pray about? What's the subject matter of our prayer? Well, in scripture, Jesus tells us to pray for our persecutors and those who mistreat us. Not to curse them, but to bless them. He tells us to pray that we won't fall into temptation. He advises us to pray before we go about delivering people from the demonic. He asks us to ask of good things of the Father because the Father loves to give good gifts to his children. He instructs us to pray for our needs. He instructs us too to pray that 
The harvest fields would be full of workers, that we're to pray that God sends people out to bring in the harvest. And both in John chapters 14 and 16, on multiple occasions, Jesus says, whatever and anything, whatever and anything. In other words, actually, there is no set agenda. We can bring anything to that table. We can bring anything to God in prayer. So, love the bit about what we pray for. So what do we pray for? What, is there anything that we can't pray for? I don't think so. Um, that last point, which is uh, the whatever and anything, uh, is totally inclusive. There is nothing that uh, can't be brought into that relationship with God. There's nothing that can't be talked about. It's completely open. Um, there is nothing in our human condition that we could possibly bring to the table that God would say is out of bounds. I think he knows that um, we have a need to talk and pray through everything with him. And that invitation, I think, is is supremely welcoming. Mm. Yeah, it is. I think something that just came to mind as you were talking about that, which I hadn't thought about while I was watching it, was often for me. Sometimes I might not bring the little things to God because I might think, well, that's not really important, is it? Like God doesn't want to know about that when there's world hunger going on for instance I know that's kind of a very black and white way of viewing it but actually God cares about the little things in our lives mm. as much as the big things and I believe that but I think personally somewhere in my consciousness I must not think about that and I don't always bring the little things it's like that's not quite big enough to pray about mm. does that make sense yeah. does that resonate with you or mm. you're just like no I think you're right um we kind of attribute to God um, a human brain. It may be the size yeah. of a planet, but <laughs> yeah. we attribute God's mental capacity uh, as a kind of hyped-up version of, of human mm. consciousness, don't we? Uh, and so we attribute big things and little things, uh, big sin and little sin, mm. but sin is all sin. Mm. And I think need is all need to God. There is, it's no more difficult for God to create a new galaxy than answer the smallest of our prayers um, to God who is infinite his mental capacity is complete um, in the sense that he can take every big and every small need from every single human being 7.4 billion human beings on the planet and he can process all of that in an instant mm. so to God I don't think something's big and small actually I think God okay. sees that as something of the content of relationship. And I think that is vitally important to him. Mm -hmm. So I don't think God sees it in the way we see it. No, you're probably right. And that's good. Yeah. And I always find sometimes you get, I don't know, you feel like you've been blessed or it's an answer to prayer or it's even an answer to a, a, a random thought you might have had somehow it turns <laughs> up. And I often find those small things are just the most exciting things because mm -hmm. if I don't know somehow there's a real connection of God really loves me because <laughs> I was whittling about this or, or that and, mm -hmm. and you know it, it arrived and I don't know I've just got an amazing God really we have an amazing God we have an amazing we God have an amazing God which brings us to our hot gospel this week yeah or this episode mm -hmm. I keep saying this week 
but this episode, <laughs> our hot gospel, and we'll go to that now because we do have an amazing God and we love to share that good news about Jesus to whoever wants to listen, really. Mm-hmm. So we'll go to that now. But thank you, Richard. Thank you. You're welcome. For joining us today and unpacking all of this. We'll leave you with that to ponder on and think about and mull over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said before, we're going to have our hot gospel topic now. Um, so more chance to unpack on what Jesus said about prayer and for you to have the opportunity to pray. Yeah. And if we'll put all the resources, the books and the yeah, things we'll that we've put those in today. the description. Yeah. Below. Mm-hmm. Where you can click and read them yourself. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, thanks Richard. Thanks Emma.
in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for unwrapping that. I've just got a lot more to think about now. Yeah, definitely. So now we're going to go into some worship from our guest bands. Soul Survivor. QBT. <laughs> Impossible, God of the miracle, only 
So from all the team, thank you. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you, John.